Welcome to Tell Tales, Dakota Folk Life and Stories, a collection of narratives, personal experiences, and the history of the North Dakota Plains. In this episode, we speak with Joseph Ellis, the Pulitzer Prize winning historian and author. Ellis's work focuses on the lives and times of the founding fathers of the United States. His book, American Sphinx, the character of Thomas Jefferson, won a National Book Award. Founding Brothers, the revolutionary generation, won the Pulitzer Prize for History. Both books were bestsellers. He joins us today to explain how the founders of the United States viewed expansion into the West, areas which included North Dakota. I asked Joe how the founders viewed this land and how it came to represent a sort of trust fund for the future. The Treaty of Paris in 1783 was the biggest, most lopsided diplomatic victory in American diplomatic history. Because we not only got independence, we got all the land east of the Mississippi to the Atlantic and from Canada to Florida. It's then later, of course, with Jefferson, we get the land from the Mississippi to the Rockies. But the initial thought was, this is going to be a real trust fund for us. We're going to be able to sell that land. It's one of the reasons you don't have to pay taxes for a century. And Washington calls attention to this in his last letter to open letter to the states that we have this enormous trust fund. But how do you, how are you going to develop it? And in 1784, in the Congress, Jefferson happens to be the one who writes uh, something called the Ordinance of 1784. And the Ordinance of 1784 says the territories that will be uh, made out of the land must be admitted to the Union as equal with the states that are already there that we can't have colonies, that we're a republic, and a republic can't have colonies. And so they are going to be admitted uh, after they reach a certain size. And in Jefferson's formulation in 1784, it's really one of the most important things he ever said or ever proposed, that there will be no feudal or uh, hereditary laws permitted and Slavery must be ended by 1800 so that he foresees that all the land coming in from the West will be admitted as new states, and in those states, slavery will be prohibited. That particular part of the ordinance loses by one vote. If that had passed, perhaps the whole history of the United States in the 19th century would have been different because the big fight that eventually is the specific trigger for the Civil War so at the founding, the original view of the West is as a huge trust fund that's going to provide money as they sell the land, but also be admitted um, as free states, and that as free states that must be republics and must end slavery. It's a really interesting moment. It's, it's a reflection of the fact that what they called the cause the values of the revolution that Jefferson had most clearly articulated in the declaration are driving the thoughts and they foresee uh, a land uh, west of the Alleghenies to the Mississippi that's going to be slave free. So you're telling us that the founders anticipated many new states being formed. They had to be republics, correct? 
That's right. That that a republic cannot be an imperial power. A republic cannot have colonies. A republic must only have territories that come in as free states with the same authority and the same status as the states that already existed. But the founders recognized this huge landmass as the source of revenue at the time when the nation really needed it, correct? That's right. They remember, the war cost them their, the rough equivalent of hundreds of millions of dollars in debt because of the war. And how are they going to pay the debt? And the land is the answer, that they're going to be able to earn revenue from the sale of that land that evaporates the debt which is pretty well what happened. I wonder, Joe, were there, were there any who disagreed with this plan? There was conflict from land grabbers, and, but nobody, nobody disagreed with the principle that they had to be territories first and then states after that. Nobody disagreed with that. As to what the borders were going to be, how fast this should happen, there was disagreement. Washington said, and it became the way it had happened, that in a Jeffersonian format, there's no regulation of the immigration west uh, of the Alleghenies. The people go run out, they've set up, they stake their land, and wherever it is, that's what they get. And they pay a dollar an acre. Oh, my. Well, what did they expect would happen as this land, including areas like North Dakota, were settled? There's this one guy from Rhode Island who's uh, speaking about this and says that also that this assures that for the foreseeable future, we will remain an agrarian society. And that's really important because once we become something more than that, once we become what later will be called an industrial society, the values of the society, will this will keep us pure. This will keep the, the, the bulk of the American citizenry farmers, agrarian people. So he foresees this as an extension of the same mentality that existed in the 18th century, well into the 19th and even the 20th century. Were there those who saw the future expansion going all the way to the Pacific coast? It's implicit and it's, it's difficult to find somebody. Well, they're taught sometimes you hear them talk about spreading to the South seas and the South seas, the Pacific, and, and remember, what's the name of the army? What's the name of the government? The Continental Army, the Continental Congress. Those very terms suggest and an expansion across the entire North American continent. But you don't get anybody saying that explicitly until later in the 19th century after the Louisiana Purchase. And what Jefferson does, the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, um, he says that I'm only implementing an expansion of the American nation in the direction that we all knew was inevitable. Thank you, Joe. It's always great to talk with you. Any closing thoughts on on this subject, sir? The land to the West is a great blessing. The American Republic starts, which is the largest trust fund that any new nation coming into the world for the first time has ever had. It's an unbelievable asset, and they know it. Produced in partnership with Dakota Legacy, this project is supported in part by a grant from the North Dakota Council on the Arts, which receives funding from the North Dakota State Legislature and the National Endowment for the Arts.